back. Fanny Olmstead, the preacher's wife, dressed up like a clown, passing out religious pamphlets. The Boy Scouts ambled by, proud and disorganized. The fire truck was there all waxed up, and Ed Flanagan, a new entrant, brought up the rear in a brand-new bright orange State Highway Department dump truck. Well, after giving out awards for 20 years to the same four outfits, the mayor decided to give this year's blue ribbon to Ed Flanagan and his dump truck just because it was fresh. Well, as it turns out, Ed and his truck were actually on their way to the gravel pit to get a load of rock and weren't in the parade at all. They were just following it. And the day sort of disintegrated from there. See, every year for years, the mayor's been the judge for the pickled herring contest and has never been able to admit he can't stand pickled herring. But these women take great pride in their pickled herring skills, so he treats it with a sort of nauseated respect. The problem on Monday was that he couldn't for the life of him remember who got the prize last year because he can't tell one jar that yuck from another, and he accidentally gave it to the same woman, a woman who was as embarrassed as he was. This was such a social misdemeanor that rumors began to fly he'd been bribed. For the first time in his political career, the mayor started to worry about the upcoming election. He couldn't worry about it too much right then, though, because he had to officiate the salmon throw, which ended up being won by Doug McDougan because he bent the rules. What the salmon throw is, basically, is that contestants pair off and throw a dead fish back and forth until they can't stand it anymore. McDougan cheated, they say, by wearing a full set of rubber rain gear, but he was, the mayor insisted, the last person holding the fish. The losers called foul because they were completely slimed out, stinky, and peppered with scales, while Doug slipped out of his rain gear fresh as a daisy. Mayor Weekly settled it by saying there wasn't any rule book on this stupid contest, and if that was a problem, maybe they shouldn't be doing it at all, which is what he really wanted in the first place. There's something about grown men tossing a fish back and forth in a gravel pit that unsettled the mayor. Letting Doug McDougan take the contest was not a popular decision for the mayor, mostly because McDougan has managed to pester or alienate just about everybody in town. You see, he is just about the biggest liar that ever walked the earth. They say to take everything Doug tells you, divide it by three, subtract six, and don't believe the rest. A person with a reputation like that just shouldn't be winning no community contests. Mayor Weekly was really starting to think his political grip was slipping. While trying to muster some of his hardcore support, he wandered over to the soup table where Pastor Frank of the First and Last Baptist Church was dishing out bowls of homemade chowder with his wife Fanny, who was still dressed in her clown suit. Pastor Frank Olmstead is what you might call a black belt fundamentalist, and he was in a pretty poor humor that day because Reverend Sapphire was at the next table doing tarot card readings. Mayor Weekly just wanted to chat with the pastor because 
He knew if he stayed in the good graces of the great Frank Olmsted, he'd be in the good graces of his entire flock, and that was a considerable number of registered voters in this small town. The mayor didn't get his chat, though. All he got was a sermon about the devil's work going on next door, while Fanny bobbed her rubber nose up and down in agreement, and Mayor Weekly consented to talking with the Reverend Sapphire about the problem. Well, Reverend Sapphire isn't what you'd think of as a righteous reverend. Actually, he drives a school bus, but he is what you might call a self-anointed mystic. He believes that we all originated from cosmic dust, which is not a new idea, but he claims to be a first generation. He thinks he fell out of the sky and just sort of gathered himself up on the beach somewhere. The mayor walked over to ask Sapphire to move his tarot operation to the other side of the pit by the beer tent, but all the strange reverend did was, in the nicest way, lean over and ask Pastor Frank if he'd like a reading. Richard Weakley, the man, might have stayed to resolve the argument that ensued, but Richard Weakley, the mayor, had to attend to a problem with the pistol-shooting contest. It seemed that Argus Winslow, the local junkyard tycoon, had forgotten to bring the old headlights he always supplies as targets for this event. He refused to go get him only because Bud Keenig was the first person to tell him to. Bud and Argus haven't agreed on anything except cheap whiskey for 40 years, and if Bud thought that Argus should go get the headlights, Argus, by nature, thought it should be the last thing he'd ever do. No one has ever quite figured out why Argus and Bud, who homesteaded this area together, get along so poorly, but everyone agrees they must like it because they really work hard at it. Whenever they're seen in public, they're usually together, nose to nose, shouting about something and trading poles on a bottle of the worst whiskey money can buy. And so it went at the end of the road bazaar's blast for cash pistol shoot until the offended women from the pickled herring tables and an act of symbolic martyrdom over the mayor's handling of the taste contest volunteered their jars of herring as the official targets. This is going to leave a heck of a mess, is all the mayor was thinking as he wandered over to the beer tent to see what the trouble was there. Tamara Dupree, our local vegetarian activist, lover of all living things but most men, and a New Age missionary among the Northern Horde, was in a heated discussion with a couple of that horde. It seemed that Tamara had set up a petition table to protest the trapping of fur-bearing animals, complete with graphic pictures of the consequences of leg-hold traps. Well, these men had misread the posters as advertisements and had tried to buy several dozen traps from her. Mayor Weekly would like to have stayed for the debate, but couldn't because the pistol shoot was being held up by Ed Flanagan and his blue ribbon dump truck, who came back for another load of gravel. Mayor Weekly directed the truck through the audience and held him back as Ed went to work with the loader. Ed got his load and tooted his horn to the crowd gathering around the hopeful marksman drawing beads on the pickled herring. 
The field of contestants was quickly narrowed after one firing. The rules are simple. If you miss once, you're out. Among those eliminated was Doug McDugan, who claimed that his gun misfired, and then that he'd actually hit a duck that flew past just as he shot and stopped the bullet, and finally that he hadn't fired at all, and it was Argus's shot they heard when he took an out-of-the-turn crack at the flag on top of the beer tent. Mayor Weekly put his arm around Doug, escorted him gently out of the group, and told him quietly that he'd better shut up as long as there was live ammunition on the premises. The six final contestants included, as always, Bud Koenig and Argus Winslow, who were without a doubt the best pistol shots going. One or the other of them always walked away with the $100 cash prize. Six more herring jars were set up on the target table, and everybody missed but Bud and Argus, who got their jars just before a stray shot knocked a leg off the table, which fell down and broke the rest of the jars except one, which just rolled over and spilled. The mayor, being the official of this auspicious event, was elected to go put things back together. The target area was every bit the mess Mayor Weekly envisioned it could be, with pickled herrings stuck to every rock, table, and piece of glass in sight. But he sucked in his breath, calmed his stomach, and made the announcement there was only one target jar left. Argus Winslow immediately declared that they should bring out some plastic beer cups to shoot at for the prize, which Bud Koenig naturally disagreed with. Claiming that you can't change targets in the middle of a contest, Bud said that the whole thing should be called off, which Argus disagreed with at some length, while the crowd grew impatient and just wanted to get the darn thing over with so they could go home. Pastor Frank stepped forward and said that the prize money should just be given to the church for missionary work. Tamara Dupree announced in no uncertain terms her disgust with the whole idea of guns and said the prize money should go to forming a local animal protection society, which Reverend Sapphire agreed with, but only if soil conservation were included. Doug McDougan said that the whole contest was invalidated and they should start all over with new targets because he claimed someone had tampered with his gun sights and it's no wonder he missed. Fanny Olmsted took off her clown nose and told Doug to shut up, while Mayor Richard Weekly stood in the middle of it all, wondering what to do. Finally, mustering every last bit of political wit at his disposal, he thrust out his chest, straightened his shoulders, stepped grandly forward, and compromised. He gave fifty bucks to Bud, fifty bucks to Argus, told everybody it was a draw, and would somebody please start picking up the paper cups and plates because it was getting late. He hated to end the party, but he'd had about enough of it. Judging by the willingness that everybody started folding up tables and such, they had to. Reverend Sapphire pulled up to the beer tent with his school bus and collected those who had no business driving themselves back to town, and Mayor Weekly helped the Chamber of Commerce group take the tent down. When all was packed away in the pickup truck, 
The good mare drew a fresh cup of lukewarm beer from a lone keg and sat on the tailgate. He watched as the crowd of constituents made their weary way out the entrance to the pit. He saw Sapphire pull away with his merry load of revelers, and Pastor Frank walking with his arm around Fanny, who'd pulled a sweater over her clown suit. Tamara Dupree and Ed Flanagan were carrying a trash can together. Doug McDougan leaned up against Ed's dump truck, still examining his pistol like there was something wrong with it. He could hear Argus and Bud arguing over at the pistol range. They were sitting on big rocks facing each other with a bottle between them. To his relief, it looked like the guns had been put away. These people are going to drive me crazy. He watched as the tired backs of the last tired citizens disappeared along the road to town. He laid back on the folded tent in the pickup, and his next thought was involuntary. Dear God, help me. I love this town. Ed Flanagan is changing, and nobody seems to know why. The roughneck road grader operator, softball pitcher, sportsman, and scrapper that everyone knew and loved is leaving us day by day for some new guy. Actually, some new age guy. Ed again is what people are starting to call him. He's getting to be so nice, some of the women are saying in great admiration. He's getting to be so nice, some of his old friends are saying, with an equal amount of revulsion. The women are giving the credit to Ed's wife, Emily, and the men are handing her the blame. Emily's a little different from Ed. No, she's a lot different. She was many things before she met Ed and was swept off her feet by his Rough good looks, granite physique, strong will, and steady job. She'd been a poet, a painter, and a Radcliffe scholar with a passion for art and artists. For four years of living with a starving screenwriter,